Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Before I even dive into the title of the message, I want to tell you a story. This is at the church that I was at previously, and um, I think it was, I was a youth pastor back then, and so there was just a lot of late nights. We need to pray for our youth leaders, youth pastors, because they don't get much sleep. Um, But I was, for some reason, I was leaving the church. I can't tell you who I was with. Um, I can't tell you... I can't even tell you where I was going, but I know that I was driving towards my mom's house, leaving the church, Valley Church in Caldwell, driving towards my mom's house. And it was maybe 11, 11.30 at night. It was late. And we were driving. Then all of a sudden, I just see this glow. And I turn to my left, and there is a two-story house that is on fire. And when I say it's on fire, it... Um, I'm saying that it wasn't a little bit of, you know, sparks coming out of the chimney. Um, When I say it was on fire, I'm telling you, like, the whole upper half of this house had just ignited. And so I knew this house before. I didn't know the owners, but this house has very large dogs and uh, kind of a gated. And one of those houses that it's like, you know, beware of the dogs, beware of the dogs. And so, but this was the deal, man. We urged to a stop and without thinking twice. And I'm thinking about, you know what I mean? In Idaho, everybody has guns. And, and if you have somebody that's pounding on your door in the middle of the night, you know, you, you don't know how they're going to respond. So I gave a second, a, a, a moment's thought about the dogs. I gave a moment's thought about the guns. But the idea was this. I was moved to be used to potentially save this family from a bad situation. Like that was more valuable than any of the other consequences that were on the table. So we rushed up there, knocked on the door, banged on the door, shouted. The family was able to get out. The fire department was able to, able to come and, and uh, nobody was injured, right? Nobody was injured. But this was the deal. There was an urgency there was an urgent, there was another time, same church, my, my, one of my pastors, he was the assistant pastor at the time, now pastors of the church, he called me up and he said, hey, Travis, I need you to come over to the church just real quick. And I, he said, listen, there's a, there's a girl, it's one of the girls that's actually in your college and career group. And, um, and she's in a bad way. She's in a domestic situation and she's being held hostage and so <clears throat> I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's go rescue her. And so we drive first to his house, and he comes out of his house with a towel, and it's covered up, and, and, he, and he hands me a pistol. And, and he's got a pistol. And I'm thinking, oh, this is really how this is going to go down. <laughs> we didn't know the situation, but nonetheless, here's I, all I could see in the paper is two pastors arrested, you know, <laughs> But we were going to rescue this girl and her children that were in a bad situation. And we were able, we, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend this to anybody. Hindsight 2020, bad idea. But we were going to do whatever means possible to get this girl out of a bad situation. What would cause, 
what would cause you, what would cause you to do that? Well, it's because you value the person even sometimes above your own life. You value what it is that could happen to the person in the situation. And so you put yourself even in harm's way to be used. So today, the title of my message is simple. It's called this. It's a heart for the lost. And I'm not going to share anything earth-shaking or groundbreaking with you today. But I do want you to know that some of the most powerful and profound messages are the simple messages in the gospel. So we don't have to necessarily go, you know, to the deeper things. All we got to do is just focus on the important things. And this is one of the most important messages of all the messages that I could give you today. And the challenge is this, to have a heart for the lost. How many of you know today, like right now, people that you know that need Jesus? Meaning this, that if Jesus was to come back, that they would not go to heaven. How many of you have family members that do not believe in Jesus Christ to the point of surrendering their life? Like they might believe that there's a God and, you know, even the Bible says that everybody believes that there's a God. Even the demons shudder and know that there's, there's a God. But how many of you have coworkers, family members, friends, people that you love and that you care about that do not have a right relationship with Jesus. First of all, I want you to know this, that the Bible says that if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. And I'm telling you this, that if you have family and friends and people that do not know the Lord, if Jesus returns, which he's going to return, I have no idea when he's gonna return, but if he returns and they do not know him, they will not go to heaven. And so there is a urgency, there is, there is a, like this is a very serious matter. And so how many of you have people that you know like that? How many of you just raise, raise a hand, you know somebody that's not walking with Jesus. Okay, my next question is this, is their name on a list that you regularly pray for? I, that was a question, I'm looking for... I'm looking for a response. Is their name, if their name is on a list, and remember, it's, it's not me that matters, it's the Lord that matters. If their name is on a list that you regularly pray for, go ahead and raise your hand. So you've got these people, all these folks on a list that you regularly, this is wonderful, because that's exactly what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna take a minute and we're just gonna pray. I want you to think about those people that are far from God, that they would come close to God right now. Most important thing we can do in the whole service right now. Are you ready to pray? All right, let's take their names before the Lord. Father, we're thankful for your loving kindness towards us, your mercies, your graces, your love that is new every single day for us. Today, Lord, we just uh, intercede. We stand in the gap for our family, our friends, our coworkers, the people that we, that we know and that we love that are far from you, God. We pray that they, would, that they would come close to you, that their eyes would be open to the idea that not only that you're real, but you've got a plan and a purpose for their life. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes to who you are. Deliver them, Lord, as we even sang this morning from every single stronghold, every single lie, that, that, that just, you know, rises up 
and, uh, and is in their ear. I pray that you would move on their hearts, God, that they would be saved and they would know who you are and be in right relationship with you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, amen. So today, my desire is to ignite something inside of you to excite you today in the few moments that we have that you would be a soul winner, that you would go after those folks that are far from the Lord, that your life would be used. You know, the Bible says in so many different ways that there are some people that are gonna go to heaven, but they're barely gonna make it. They're not gonna take anybody with them. Why are they not gonna take anybody with them? Either A, they gave their heart at the last moment, or they gave their heart at the last moment, but because of some sort of a fear or insecurity, or maybe they felt like they just didn't know enough Like they'll go to heaven because they've received, they've been washed in the blood of the lamb, right? They've been, they've been forgiven of their sins, but they will not bring anybody else with them. And I want to encourage you not to be in that latter group. Thank God you're saved. And that's a big thing, but I don't know about you. I want to, I want to take some folks with me. And so I want you to know that the promise of heaven is real and the reality of hell is sobering. Like hell is real and heaven is real. Why is it that we would have these people that we know and love and not share? Like there's so many different reasons, but maybe one of the reasons is is that we really don't believe that heaven is a real place and we really don't believe that hell is a real place. Which would mean that we really don't believe to the point of taking action that the Bible is true. And I'm just saying that hopefully this morning, in the next couple of moments, that something would be awakened inside of you, an urgency, just like the urgency that I had to run into that house and to put myself in a bad situation to maybe help a girl get out of a bad situation as well. I want you to know this, that the lost is why Jesus came. And the lost is the very reason why Jesus has yet to return. Do you know this, that the Bible says that the only reason why he hasn't tarried and come back is because there are more that he desires to be saved. And so it's the goodness of God that he's even waiting to come back for his bride. It's the goodness of God. And so the church needs to be busy about sharing the goodness of God, the gospel. The Bible says that all heaven rejoices when one person gives their heart to the Lord. How many of you know that there was a celebration in heaven this morning as as this family, come on, took a step in faith in baptism this morning, amen? Do you know this, that we've we've got two more baptisms in second service today? Somebody say, that's a good day. That's a good day. Somebody say, that's a good day. Yeah. So today I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about, you know, Luke 13, what I really want you to do is I want you to thumb your, 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 your pages in your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 13. So Luke 15 and Acts 13. Luke and Acts are written by the same author. author, author. They're written by the same author. In fact, Luke concludes where Acts begins. So if you want to study out some scriptures, these would be two books to read back to back. Read Luke and then go ahead and read the book of Acts, which is a picture of the first church. So Luke, we've got great stories in chapter 15 where we've got the shepherd that left the 99 and went after the what? Went after the one. 
There was one that was lost. There was one that was stranded. There was one that was separated. And Jesus cared so much. The shepherd cares so much about the one that he went after the one and left the 99. And then we've got the woman who tore apart the entirety of her house looking for the lost coin. Now, do you think this was a penny that she lost? No, it was something valuable that she lost, right? To the point where she was turning, you know, I could just see my wife like throwing over the furniture, you know, pushing over the, pushing over the tables, taking the countertop and just, you know, throwing everything off of the counters in search for this coin that was so valuable. And then we also see the story of the father who embraced the lost son. What is this story known by? The prodigal son, you bet. The son that went off, made a bunch of foolish decisions, came to himself, came back, and the father was there to embrace him. See, I don't know a lot about a lot of things, but there's one thing for sure. In reading the scriptures, I can tell that Jesus, that God loves the things that are lost. And he certainly loves people that do not know him. And he is doing everything in his power, which you, my friend, play a part in his plan to reach, to go after, to find that which was lost. This is a charge that every single one of us has. We were in our pre-service prayer and in, in our, in our pre-service meeting, and I asked, I'm like, why is it that we would know that somebody is without relationship with Jesus, and if Jesus comes, that they will not go to heaven and spend eternity with him. Why is it that we, that we wouldn't put ourselves, we wouldn't put ourselves out there? And there's so many different reasons. One of them is fear of rejection. You know, what if they, what if they think I'm a religious nut? But I'm telling you this, that he's coming. Another reason is, is that they really don't believe that hell is a real place and heaven is a real place. So God loves the lost. And I'm telling you this, that we too should have a heart for the lost. We should, we should have a heart for those that are not saved and, and those that are saved but disconnected from the body. How many of you know that there's a lot of wounded people? They need those handicap stickers in their, in their you know, hanging on their mirror because they're wounded people. How many of you know that God desires and has a plan even when bad things happen, even amongst church folks, God has a plan to see them restored in the house of the Lord. Amen. And so we've got to not only be thinking about those that are without relationship with Jesus, but what about those that are wounded? Those that are hurting, that love the Lord. But God wants to set them completely and totally free, but they find themselves being bound. So we should have a heart for reaching. Somebody say reaching. And as a church, I want you to know this, that we've had some good success in reaching our community. In fact, as a church, this is one of the most beautiful things that, that, that I know, like somebody will be new to the church and they'll look across the church and they'll see somebody that they knew outside of the church at a different time in life. And they'll come over and just kind of tug me or grab me by my ear and say, Pastor, look at that. I'm like, yeah, what? You know who that is? Yeah. No, do you know who that is? No, they'll get to telling. <laughs> and I'm like, man, oh, man, isn't that a beautiful thing? 
The Jesus, he who the Son sets free, is free indeed. Amen? That there's no pre-qualifications that you've got to be a little bit better than the next guy, but his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy is for every single person. And so we've got some folks that call Grace Church their home church that some of y'all would think that that would be the last person that they thought they would see in a church, and I'm so grateful for that. There was an elder at the previous church that I was at that literally knew something about this church and, and he had come up to me and I was, I was talking, everybody was talking about me coming out here to, to be the pastor of, of Grace Church in Rupert, Idaho. And this one elder, he's like, he's like, give me one of these. And he takes me, he takes me off to the side. And this is a, this is a well-known individual, highly respected person in our church. Been with Brother Rutzen for a long time. And he takes me off to the side. He said, Travis, that'll be the worst decision you ever make in your life. Those people are going to eat your lunch. See, this guy, this guy, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not stretching, but this guy had some experience with some of y'all. And so, so he, was, he was like, he was like, don't do it. You're not prepared for this. But how many of you know that whenever you're called by God, you're equipped immediately. You're prepared immediately. And honestly, I couldn't ask to have pastored and been asked to be the pastor of a more, of a more finer people. And I truly wholeheartedly mean that. I don't know why or what it is that he was speaking out of, but I'm telling you this, that God has done a great work and the work is not finished yet. Amen. Let's give him some praise this morning. Because we've had some successes here. And once again, we're not finished. There have been people that have asked us like, what's the secret sauce, right? There always has to be a secret sauce. What's the secret to your success? It's the same thing with business and whatnot. You got a brand new person that's, that's maybe, this was my first pastor and I was a youth pastor. I was wild. They let youth pastors do everything. You can't do everything as a senior pastor, right? You got to put a chain on them, a little bit of a chain on them. But I'd never done this before. It's like a business person, you know, never been in business, but they go out, they work hard and and they're students of the game. And then all of a the sudden, they've got a successful business that, are, that actually turns into two successful business, maybe three or four. They begin to duplicate and multiply. Come on, this gift that God has given them. So everybody wants to know, like, what's the easy way? What's the secret sauce? What's the... And I'm going to share with you what I've even shared with some of these other pastors that have asked me this question. Like, what have you guys done in, in, in Rupert, I'm going to share with you, please don't get confused that I'm not saying you're a pastor just because I'm going to share what I share with pastors, but, but this will help you in your responsibility to reach the lost. Because I'm telling you what, you've got a responsibility and 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 Jay, even though you're not paying attention, you've got a responsibility and you've got a responsibility and you've got a responsibility. Thank you, Steve, for paying attention. Just reach over. If he falls asleep, just give him one of these, okay? <laughs> Every single one of us has a responsibility to reach the lost. And so what I'm fixing to tell you here today is something that will help you to do just that. First thing I'll tell them is this, that we're a life-giving church 
and we extend hope to those people without hope. We're a life-giving church and we, ex we extend hope to the hopeless. I can't tell you how many conversations just this last week that I was able to have of people that were struggling, people that were going through hardships. You know what I did in every single one of those situations? I spoke life to them and I prayed for them. I spoke life to them and I, and I prayed for them. The other thing that I'll often tell people is, this is the secret sauce. This is saying a lot without really saying much. I said, it's amazing what can happen when you truly have a desire to love God and serve people. It's amazing what can happen if you simply have a desire to serve God, love God, and serve people. Amen? So the result is this. The result of, of, of being a church like this the result of it is what you just experienced here during worship. Three family members entering into the waters of baptism. What that means is each one of these three came to a place making a decision that they were not going to serve themselves any longer, but their lives belong to Jesus Christ. And Jesus is their Lord and personal Savior. Sins washed away, never to be brought up against them again. Thank you for the three of you that said amen. See, see, this is the other thing. And let me, just, let, me just, let me just pause real quick. You know what? Maybe we've talked about the blood of Jesus just too much. You've heard too much about it that nothing gets you excited anymore. Nothing is exciting anymore because you've heard it all. You've seen it all. Yeah, that's cool. Another person getting wet. And I'm just saying that something is wrong if we don't get excited about one, all heaven rejoices when one surrenders their life to Jesus Christ and begins a relationship with him. I don't know, maybe we've just heard it too much. You know what, it just doesn't have the effect that it used to have. Maybe you've been saved too long and you have forgotten what it is that you've been saved out of. I don't know. It's interesting to me, though, when I say something like that, there's three, oh, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, that's good, yep. You go, pastor. You go. I'm not going to get too excited about anything. Not going to get excited about people making a decision for Jesus. I love that worship prepares the heart. I love that we're a church where the word goes out and, like Davina was saying, doesn't return void. Powerful, right? And I love it that people repent and are saved of their sins. I love that. I absolutely. And, and I hope that that never gets old for any of us. Before they come to a place of, of, of baptism, before that ever happens, guess what? They have to come. Not that everybody makes a decision in church. But many times people make a decision in church, and before they come, they've got to be given an invitation to come. And then they come, and then they make a decision to receive Jesus, and then they enter into the waters of baptism. But before all of that, they got to come, and before they come, they've got to be invited to come. Are you picking up what your, your part of the, the, the responsibility is? 
Acts chapter 13 and verse 13. What I love about the Apostle Paul is he received Jesus and then immediately he turns around and he begins to give away what he had received. He said, man, this is so good that I don't want to keep it for myself. You know, some, some of you in business, like maybe you had a God idea and you're like, you're like, and this is what I can tell you, which is blows my mind, but it's crazy about churches too. Sometimes the church will have something that they'll do and they're like, we got to keep this to ourselves, man. The church down the road might, they might see what's the good things that are happening. We don't want them to grow. Is this the most crazy thing that you have ever heard? You got a business idea. You're successful. Somebody else in the same industry. Hey, listen, can you tell me a little bit about this? We don't want anybody else to be successful. Right? Whoo. So Paul receives Jesus and then he immediately goes out and gives Jesus. He's going from city to city, town to town, village to village. And he's sharing the gospel of Jesus. Acts 13, 13 says this. Now when Paul and his party set sail for Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, he left them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they got departed from Perga, they came to Antioch. Somebody say Antioch. In, in Poseidon. So this is, this is the picture. I'm painting it real slow for you. Paul is preaching town to town, city to city, village to village. All of a sudden he comes to Antioch and, and coming to Antioch, he makes a decision. He and his entourage, probably Barnabas was with him, some others was with him. And, and they said, listen, on the Sabbath, it's the Sabbath today. Let's go to the, the synagogue. Let's go to the Jewish Temple, And so they decided to go to the temple on the Sabbath. The Bible says after taking a seat, verse 15, and after reading the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So what this would be like is a visitor coming into the house this morning Maybe we know they're a traveling pastor. They're just in town. And so we're kind of doing our thing. And before, before we, we close, we're like, Brother Joe, man, everybody give Brother Joe a hand. He's from Pocatello, Idaho. Pastor's a great church over in Pocatello. And Brother Joe, if you've got anything to say to the brethren this morning, say on. So Joe gets up and he begins to encourage the people. This is exactly what's happening here. The church that I grew up in, we used to have what's called pop, pop-up or popcorn testimonies. And this is what would happen. The pastor would just get moved and it's like, man, does anybody in the house have something to share that the Lord has done in your life this week? And man, you would have people pop, 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 standing in line, pop, 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 pop. This is why it's so disheartening sometimes for me when I'll be like, hey, listen, we got a church full of people that love Jesus, saved, washed by the blood of the Lamb. Somebody tell me, who's got something good to say about what the Lord's been doing this last week? Crickets. 
bunch of crickets. How in the world, how in the world can you, as a blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled, faith-filled Christian believer that walks with God every single day, how in the world can you ever come into a church and somebody say, does anybody have a testimony? All you hear is, I don't even know what a cricket sounds like. It blows me away sometimes. And then I'll just call on people. Steve, get up and testify. (laughs) Make something up. If you haven't experienced anything, make it up. Side note is, is sometimes somebody gets up and testifies, and if the pastor would have known what the person would have said, he wouldn't have asked him in the first place. Man, I wish I, wouldn't have hand, uh, I wish I wouldn't have asked that question. There have been some crazy things that have been in the form of a testimony. Other times, you've got the person that just keeps going on and on and on. Like you start back there, the pastor comes back to the back. Brother, what do you got to say? Tell us what the Lord has done in your life. And he gets the microphone. By the time he's done, he's already at the front of the church in the pulpit. (laughs) You're going to find out that this is kind of what Paul had done. Let's take a look at it. Paul, do you have anything to share? Verse 16, Paul stood up and motioning with his hands. I don't know what that was, but. And then for the next 25 verses, preaches a sermon. They asked for a comment. He gave them an entire message. And they probably broke it down. They probably didn't say everything that he said. He talks about the history of Israel. You can read it yourself. He talks about what their journey of Jews was like. He talks about King David. And then he talks about, he leads all the way up to Jesus. Can I just encourage you real quick? If you're given a testimony in your life, please don't forget Jesus. You know, sometimes people will give a testimony and they'll spend 22 and a half minutes on everything that's wrong in their life. And then they got to get reminded by the pastor or somebody that's been doing this just a little bit. And it's like, well, what has Jesus done? Certainly he's done something. No, they just want to talk about all the problems and the issues that they've had. Listen, the testimony is how God has helped you come on to overcome what it is that the Lord has done. And so he finishes right around verse 42. Verse 42 says this. Now, listen, you need to pay close attention because you're going to miss it. He says, when the Jews went out, so they're in the Jewish synagogue, right? And there's filled with a bunch of Jews that are, that, are, that are believers and following. But then there's also some Gentiles that are faithful, that are assembled together. And so, so the Bible says that when the Jews went out, so the Gentiles, are, they're kicking back, waiting for all the, all the Jews to leave. And the Gentiles, they went up to Paul and they begged that these words might be preached again to them the very next Sabbath. So What? It's not even their house. And they go to Paul and say, listen, can you come back next week? 
And by the way, can you preach the same exact sermon that you preached this week? Now listen, I've spoken at a few different places. Few of them invite me back. I don't know why that is. I don't know. They're just like, we don't need to do that again. But I've never been asked to preach the same message week after week. In fact, if some of y'all came in here and I preached the same message next week, you'd probably think that that was pretty strange. But this was the request. This was the desire of the, of the Gentiles. So my question is, is what, did, what did the Apostle Paul say that was so profound? What did he say that was so life-changing? What did he say that needed to be spoken twice that wasn't understood once? What did he say? Like, this is where, this is where my mind goes. Verse 44, check this out, fast forward. On the next Sabbath, so he agreed. On the next Sabbath, the Bible says almost the whole city came together. What? The Gentiles are asking the Apostle Paul to come back. And then they immediately, he says, yes, you're going to preach the same sermon, right? Yes. All of a sudden, the whole city came to hear the message. That the, so what did he say? What was so powerful and life-changing? Could you imagine this Sunday? We finish with our message. Next Sunday, we have the majority of Rupert show up. The majority of Burley, we got so many people that are showing up to hear the word of the Lord, to get a glimpse of what it is that God is speaking, that everybody is showing up. What did, what caused those Gentiles to go out and say, listen, I don't care what you're doing next Sunday, next Saturday. I don't care what it is that you're doing. You need to come and listen to this message, it's gonna change your life. The conviction of the people that were there at that service moved on their hearts to go out and drag everybody from the streets, the highways, the byways into the house of the Lord that they may be saved. Can you imagine? So what did he say? One moment, I won't get there. There's two points that I'm going to make that he made that are powerful and life-changing and life-giving. But at Grace, I want you to know this, that we truly are a hospital for the hurting. This is not a church filled with just, just people that have walked with God their entire life. This is a church filled with broken people that are getting better. I want you to know this, that Grace Church is a safe place for anybody. I don't care what bad decisions, what reputation you may have created for yourself, what shame you may have brought upon your family before Jesus, Grace Church is a good place for you to be. Amen? It's not just a good place, it's a, it's a great place. But sometimes we can get derailed in our conversation, we can, so see, my dad was a roadmaster on the Union Pacific Railroad. And when I say derailed, there are times that, that, that the train will jump the tracks. And let me just tell you this, that it's not a pretty sight. And so he was the, he was the guy in charge that was in charge of all of the crews to make sure that that all got put back together again. So sometimes we get derailed. We, we lose sight. We lose direction. We're not on the tracks. We, we lose mobility. We lose movement. 
And the devil is really good when we get derailed to pin people against people. See, we're not, we're not together on this. You believe that way, and so, and so there's no way we can ever be together on this. What pins us against one another? One thing that pins us against one another is politics. I wish y'all would just agree and believe like I believed. You would be much better people if you did. But you don't. So politics, it, it pins us against one another, right? We argue about things that, that, that truthfully, and I'm not going to go deep into this, but truthfully, when you think somebody's eyes should be open to something, you're quickly shown that their eyes were not open to it. And the truth is, Steve, you're never going to be able to argue somebody into believing just like you believe. And so we, we, we major on the minors. There's some pretty major things in politics, but nonetheless, we major on the minors. We also get derailed and sidetracked and off course on biblical topics. It's like, yeah, but who is Cain's wife? Who was Cain's wife? Who was Cain's wife? His sister. So we get sidetracked, like that's not gonna help you go to heaven. It's not gonna help you go to, well, you don't wanna go there anyway. <laughs> Other people, yeah, but have you read the book of Enoch? Like, like what are they trying to hide from us? Why aren't all these other great books, like in the, in the Bible, they're trying, there's some suspicious. Some suspicious. They're trying to keep some information from us. Once again, it's not going to help you go to heaven, and you certainly don't want to go to hell. We major on the minors. We need to major on the majors. I was asked one time, Pastor, how do I keep from getting sucked into these predicaments, to these, to these conversations, these divisive debates. How do I keep? It seems like I'm always drawn in. My answer is this. I, this is what you would say. They, well, who was Cain married to? What you could say is this. This is so simple. Are you ready? Well, I don't know about all that. All I know is Jesus saved me and set me free. Why do we get so bound and caught up into, in, in, in areas that, that really are just going to be a waste of your time? But you know what? Some of you have gotten into those debates even this last week. Maybe you've been arguing with somebody over the last year and they still stand where they stand and you stand where you stand. So what did the Apostle Paul say? The first thing he said is found in verse 38. He said, let it be known to you that through this man talking about Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of sin is preached to you. Really? Thank you. Once again, probably heard it too much. Doesn't have much of an effect. Yeah, cool. Forgiveness of sins. That's awesome. Let me, let me just read it again. This is one of the messages that caused these Gentiles to go to Paul and say, listen, man, can you come back and preach the same message again next week? And it's the same 
When he agreed, it's the same thing that moved them to go out and invite every single person that they had known. Uh, You probably missed it. Let me go ahead and read it again. This is verse 38. Might be a good place to underline in your Bible. Let it be known to you. So the apostle Paul is asked, what do you have to say? Uh, Let it be known to you that through this man, Jesus, the forgiveness of sin is preached to you. So listen, in summary, Paul's been speaking for 25 verses and he gets to this position that, listen, I'm gonna tell you something that you have not heard before that this man Jesus brings to the table that has never been brought to the table before and that is the forgiveness of sins. That's the forgiveness of sins. Like maybe you forgot how bad you were and how desperate you were to be forgiven of some of the garbage that you found yourself caught up in, right? You've never had this before, the forgiveness of sins. See, there's one thing that I know about every single person in here right now. I know this. I don't know a lot of things, but I know this, that this Sunday, right now where we are, you've done something this last week that needs to be forgiven. Every single one of you. Maybe you thought some things that you shouldn't have been thinking. Maybe your hands, they touched some things that you had no business touching. Maybe your feet carried you someplace that you had no business going. Maybe you spoke some things that you had no business speaking. Maybe you had anger in your heart or you were consumed with something to the point that you had lost your peace and maybe, maybe said something that you never, you never should have said. See, I know something about every single one of you. There's not one person in here today that is holier than thou. There's not one person in here today, any week that we get together, that you do not need Jesus to forgive you of your sins. From week to week to week to week. And guess what? This is the message that the Apostle Paul brings to them. That listen, through this man Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins. See, if people around you, if they knew what it is that you'd been caught up in, maybe even this last week, or maybe before you gave your heart to Jesus, like if they knew the backstory, like if your life was total transparent, they probably wouldn't want to sit next to you. (laughs) Could you imagine if your life was an open book, every thought that you thought, everything that you did, every place that you've been, if everybody knew all of the junk that is represented, put your name at the top in your life, They may not want to sit next to you. This is what I can tell you. Jesus knows everything. There is nothing that there is nothing done in secret that he doesn't see. He sees all things, knows all things. He knows your thoughts. And guess what? He says, I still choose. If they will but receive me, I still choose. Even though I know all things, I still choose to forgive them of their sins. 
See, I think we're catching on just a little bit how big a simple message is. This is, this is the message of all messages. There's no message greater than this message. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. See, this, this song, these words in this song are so profound and powerful. This is why you've got young people that didn't grow up in the generation that you grew up in. And when that song comes up, it still begins to move on the heart. Different generation. But the, the words are so powerful and profound that he saved a wretch like you. He saved a wretch like me. No matter your economic status, no matter the color of your skin, your background, your education, how rich or how poor you are, you've done something that needs to be forgiven. The good news is, is we serve a God who knows and forgives. Was that song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has what? Left a crimson stain. He washes white as snow. You know what's so amazing to me? Is that with all of the junk, and Joe, maybe we'll have a, a cup of coffee over about a year's time every single day for about two and a half hours a day. And I'll share with you one day all of the garbage that I've, that I've left and created in my life but this is what's beautiful to me is that when Jesus looks at me he doesn't see any of that you know what he you know what God sees is the blood of Jesus that covers my life he sees the righteousness of God amen amen so the second thing he said and I gotta hurry up it's 1003 verse 39 and by him Everyone, so by Jesus, whoever believes in Jesus, everybody believes in Jesus is justified from all things. You see, I used to think that justification was is that, that, that when God treats you as if you've never sinned before. But it is more than that. Justification is he treats the unholy as if they're holy. You know why? Because they are because their life is covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. See, I may not look holy all the time, but I want you to know I'm holy. And I may not act holy all the time, but I want you to know, Mary, I'm holy. And there's sometimes that, that I may say some things that doesn't sound holy, but I'm holy. See, my holiness isn't in my ability to do good, my holiness is in the ability of Jesus forgiving me of my sins. And you need to, somebody here, this is just right now fresh, somebody here needs to begin to view your life as being the holy person that you are because of the forgiveness of sins that Jesus has granted you. Verse 39, another portion of it says this, and by him, everyone who believes. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but it doesn't say everybody who tithes pays their tithe. Tithes is a really weird word to say, tithes. 
tithes. Not everybody that tithes. Not everybody that gives money to the church. It didn't say that. It didn't say not everybody that serves in children's ministry. Didn't say not everybody that serves on the church board. Didn't say not everybody that packs a shoebox for Operation Christmas Child. See, all of these things are very important, but these things do nothing in saving you. You can't earn your way. You can't give enough. You can't do enough. It is a free gift. And by everyone who believes. See, I just have to believe that he was wounded for my transgressions. That he was bruised for my iniquity. That he died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. He rose again. Over the next 40 days, he appeared to Several hundred people ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he left a promise, the promise of the Holy Ghost. He said, go to Jerusalem and receive the promise that I'm giving you. I just got to believe. I just got to believe it and receive it. He goes on to say this, I'm justified from all the things from which the law could not from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So he did for, some, for us something that the law couldn't do. Can I just tell you this? I don't care what your background is. I, I don't care if it's, if it's agnostic, if it's atheist, if it's Catholic, if it's some other religion, Pentecost. I, I'm telling you this, that the Ten Commandments cannot save you. In fact, let me be clear. You cannot keep the Ten Commandments. You can't do it. And by the way, there's, a whole, there's, there's about 603 more. I think there's 613 laws, maybe 644. There's a bunch, over 600. Let's just call it that. If you can't keep the 10, you certainly can't keep the rest. And guess what, my friend? If you've broken one, you've broken them all. See, the law brings us to a place of realizing that we need Jesus Christ. We need for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So he says, listen, the law was not, the law of Moses was not able to justify you. So he did something that the law could not do. I want to just go through just a, just a, just a, a little thing right here. Let's just look around just for a second. Just, just glance the audience. Look around. Look around. See who, see out of all these people who needed to be forgiven the most. Like who is the worst one? Hopefully, you don't have to look very far. <laughs> See, the person's not sitting in the seat next to you. The person's sitting in the very seat that you're sitting in. I, I think it was interesting. I think it was interesting. You know, the blind man was blind from birth. Jesus comes along and he heals him. And I'm, I'm closing with this, Matt. He heals him from his blindness. And he did so on the Sabbath. And so you had the Pharisees and the scribes and the 
the Sadducees that were just in an uproar because this blind man was healed on the day of rest, right? So they come to the blind man. They're like, hey, listen, they're setting him up. There's, hey, listen, this man that has done this horrible thing to you, like, like giving you sight where you've never seen before, this man, he's a sinner, right? He's a sinner, isn't he? Like this man that has performed this miracle on the Sabbath. He's a sinner, isn't he? And the blind man's response was perfect. He said, I don't know about all that. I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. Now listen, I don't think that the Lord would ever cause a message like this to go forward if he didn't know who was going to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Maybe it's just a reminder of, of the goodness of God in your own life. Maybe we've forgotten. I think we can forget, especially the longer that we're removed from how we used to be. See, I encourage everybody, when you're born again, go back often to how life was before you were born again. Remember. But I just want you to know this morning that Jesus loves you so much. And he did. He died on a cross so that you can live. Doesn't matter what shame you brought to your family name. You could have done some horrible, terrible things that, that maybe you might have a hard time forgiving you. But even the power of the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to receive the love and grace and forgiveness of God to the point that you can even forgive yourself. You know, the Lord told me I was having a real struggle because I was more of a mess than most of you, I promise. But I was having a hard time forgiving myself. And the Lord told me this. I didn't hear a voice. Don't go pastors hearing voices. But the Lord impressed on my heart. Oh, really? 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 He said, I've forgiven you, but yet you're going to hold yourself responsible. You know what that means, Travis? that you're, you're elevating your opinion of this situation higher than my opinion. I said, oh God, I'm sorry. I repented and I'm telling you this, that that changed my life because I was the guy that would sin and then I would disappear from church for about three weeks. Why? Because I wasn't worthy to go to church because I had just messed up in my life and I had known better, Joe, I'd known better. I, I knew better, but I did it anyways. It's the amazing thing about sin. I think that sometimes there are sins that you can enter into that you don't know about, but very seldom. You know when you're sinning. Why? Because you got the Holy Spirit to say. You do it anyway. But I want you to know this morning that Jesus died for you so that you can live. And I want to give you an opportunity in the house includes the upper balcony as well. Those of you online, if you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and your personal Savior, I want you just to raise your hand here this morning. You need Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to wash you clean and new. Everybody's good? Oh, up here. Thank you. Great decision. Best decision you can ever make. Anybody else? Right here. I'm sorry, I can't. Awesome. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Appreciate that best decision you can make. 
You know this, that whenever you ask him to forgive you, he's faithful and justice to do that. So listen to this, my friend in the balcony, both of you. You ask Jesus to forgive you, it's done. It's forgiven. Never to be brought up against you again. You might be thinking right now, but yeah, you have no idea what I did. Like it, was, it wasn't just a little thing, it's been a big thing. I understand. He forgives you. You are, sir, the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God because of the blood of Jesus that washes away every sin that you have. So I want our church just to celebrate this morning for these decisions that have been made. So listen, this is what we're gonna do. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So it's important that you speak this. You can speak it in any form. It's as simple as this. God, I am a sinner. I believe that you are who the Bible says you are, that you died for me on that cross, that if I ask you to forgive me, you will forgive me and come in and be the Lord of my life, meaning the boss of my life, meaning that I'm not going to be the one that calls the shots, but my life, it belongs to you. So I want you to pray that any way that you can pray it. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life and lead my life. You need to make that verbally out loud. Speak it to where you can hear it in your own ears. And this is the deal. This is the beginning of a brand new life. For those of you that have been far from God, I encourage you just to repent because repentance isn't just a one-time deal. Repentance is a lifestyle, amen? And just as he forgave you the first time, he'll forgive you the second time, the third time, the thousandth time. God's grace and his mercy is new every single day. And then what I need you to do is do exactly what the apostle Paul did, is he received and then he was moved to give. He gave away what he himself has received. I encourage you, don't let anybody that you know, and, you, and I understand that some conversations need to be had carefully. Love them enough to share life with them in Jesus' name. You might be surprised. It might be just through you that they bow a knee to Jesus too. Amen. God bless you. We're gonna sing. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.